ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. Brought to you by Take-Two Custom Teams. Screen printing experience that is dedicated to quality and customer service every time. Hi, Adrian. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. Thank you for taking some time out for to come and sit with us at ATV Talk. Um, we want to hear a little bit about your story. I read a little bit about your bio, and, and I think you have uh, an amazing little backstory there that not many people are going to know about. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, It's been a wild ride. Um, ATV racing was a wild ride, and my exit from ATV racing was a wild ride as well. So, <laughs> Well, let's go back in time a little bit, and you can start and tell everybody how, how did all this get started and where did, it, where did you get into the competitive portion of racing? Um, I got into it because of my dad. Um, he raced trucks in Best in the Desert and Score, so I pretty much grew up down in Baja in San Felipe. Um, that's where I started riding when I was four years old. And, um, my dad and I kind of stumbled upon motocross racing <laughs> when we were, I think I was 11 or 12. Um, and it took my mom quite some time to say yes to, to us actually lining up behind a gate. But once she did, it was, we were wide open from there, so to speak. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I started at a young age. That's awesome. You know, most, most of the people that I speak to, some start very old, but most of us are starting just out of diapers. Yeah, it's crazy. I see kids nowadays that are, you know, three years old, four years old out on a racetrack. And I'm just, it's crazy to think about, I have a three-year-old now and I couldn't imagine, you know, being lined up behind a gate with her. So um, but yeah, it seems like that's almost what it takes nowadays is to, ha you know, to have so many years of experience under your belt at such a young age. So it's, uh, it's impressive to see. Did you get to race any Baja or any of the best in the desert stuff on an ATV or was it, or was it all motocross for you? Um, I did one best in the desert race. Um, it was the Vegas 200 when that was still, um, still a race. <laughs> um, I was 14 years old when I did that. I, it has been my lifelong dream to do Baja, but it's funny because I followed in my father's footsteps, you know, and, and entered in off-road racing, but he would never support me racing in Baja. Um, I'm his little girl, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's dangerous down there. So um, he, he didn't necessarily support that, but I did get to race outside of motocross. I did some enduro stuff, um, in Canada and France down in South America. So I did get to dabble in some other, um, types of racing as well. What was it like in South America for you? It was amazing. Um, gosh, it was, they are so into their racing down there. Um, the spectators were wild and I mean, they would come in by the thousands just to see, you know, a single enduro race for a couple hours. Um, very nice people. Um, just, just a beautiful, beautiful place to go. So it was, it was a great experience for me. That's awesome. I, I had a good experience the few times I've got to go down there for the Dakar. Awesome. Yeah. Oh gosh. I would love to be able to do that. <laughs> 
Uh, it's it's quite an undertaking, you know. The the training that you have to go in to to learn how to navigate is one thing, but then the physical training you need to go through and the team that you have to put together to do it is pretty intense. Yeah, I think that's the part for me that I would love to be a part of is just that that race prep, you know, the the months and years in some cases leading up to those races, just knowing what to do to prep yourself physically, getting the team together, getting the parts together, the bike. And like you said, learning how to navigate, it's, it's just seems like a totally different world, but so much goes into it. And I, yeah, that's, that's so impressive to me. It, it is pretty, it is pretty impressive, but you know, let's get back on track here and, and talk about you. And <laughs> you mentioned that you started racing in Southern California. I'm assuming Glen Helen was one of the big spots because that's, one of the the biggest places to race in Southern California here. Yeah. Yeah. I started at Glen Helen, um, actually on the vet track or at the time it was called the REM track. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, that was August 3rd, 2003. Um, and it was game on from there. <laughs> Never looked back, huh? Never looked back. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, uh, what were you riding uh, in 2003? What was the machine of choice? It was a Honda 400EX and I had a slip-on White Brothers exhaust with ITP whole shot tires and I thought that thing was a rocket ship like it was completely raced out and little did I know I had the most stock bike of us all so but at the time it worked for me I was in love with that bike it was bright yellow um, my numbers were made out of electrical tape. It was <laughs> now looking back at it now, you know, I laugh at it, but at the time, man, I, I, I thought I had it all together. <laughs> well, that's what it's all about. You know, you don't, what you don't, you don't know what you don't know until you get there. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> and you know, I've been doing this a long time and I still don't know anything. <laughs> You probably know way more than I do. I know I've seen the name Duncan Racing around ever since, even before I started. So <laughs> I know you well, you have your fair share of racing. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's in our blood. And I mean, yeah. our dad had us at the racetrack when we were infants. And it's just something that's in our family that we've always done. It's just, yeah. you, just you just go to the races on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. I, gosh, I think racing is just kind of one of those things where once you get into it, you never really get out of it fully. Um, you know, my, my life has changed so much. I, like I said, I have a kid now, I, I have a family, I got a job, but, um, I still always find those little ways to dive back. And I find myself at works races out here in Arizona or in California and constantly flipping through and finding it on TV or looking it up on social media. It's just, it's just a part of my life that I don't think I can ever fully walk away from. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's part of who you are and who you were. And, and some of the achievements that you'll have in your life will all relate back to lessons learned when you were racing. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. It's like you said, it's a, a, a lot of who I am is because of racing and the people that I've met, you know, I've, we've met some amazing people throughout our years at the racetrack. Some of the best people I know, you know, we, we met right there at the starting gate. So, um, yeah, it will always be, you know, a, a part of my story and a very big part of my life for sure. So let's delve into we're we're at Glen Helen. We're racing. We've evolved from the 400EX, I'm assuming, into a 450. And we decide that, hey, Southern California just isn't enough. I got I to gotta do something else. 
Yeah. Um, gosh, we had been doing the, it was at the time ITP quad cross as, as you probably remember. <laughs> um, and I, I think it was right before I turned 16, we started seeing stuff on the internet about nationals and seeing it in magazines and all kinds of stuff. And it, it just kind of piqued our interest. And, um, you know, we knew what we were capable of on the West coast, but we were just so curious of, of how we would really stack up against the, you know, the best in the nation. And, um, gosh, I don't even remember the conversation that was had. I, I think my mom and dad probably had that conversation <laughs> behind my back, but, um, we eventually landed on, you know, Hey, we're going to go to Gatorback. We're going to go to Florida and we're going to give nationals a shot, see where we stack up. Um, so we headed out there from California, um, took us a few days. It was just my dad and I in our little F two fifty with our 32 foot weekend warrior. Um, and I, I, I want to say we placed second that weekend. And then immediately after we went to Etchikani, Georgia and a race at that racetrack, I want to say we took second again there. Um, and we realized like, Hey, we, you know, we, we can do this, you know, we can kind of run on the national level and, um, still had a lot to learn. It was a very different world from, from what I knew back on the West coast, but I knew that it was something that we wanted to dive in head first with. And my parents were all on board. My mom was back in California supporting it financially. And my dad became my driver, my mechanic, my cook, my trainer, my, you know, my, my biggest supporter. And, um, it was game on from there. <laughs> and did you guys do that first year? Did you do the whole series or did you come back, collect yourself and, and go back and attack at the next season? No, we, we did the whole series <laughs> at that point. Um, that was in 2006. So after Etchikani, uh, we did go back to California to regroup, um, decided that we, California wasn't necessarily the place to be anymore. Um, my family uprooted and moved to Arizona um, Arizona is much cheaper than Cali. So my dad was actually able to retire and my poor mom, <laughs> um, two days after we moved in, in May of 2006 to Arizona, my mom was left to unpack the entire house by herself. You know, we're 30 miles outside of Phoenix in the middle of nowhere on this little dirt lot. My mom's, you know, fighting off scorpions and, <laughs> and everything that comes with Arizona monsoons. And my dad and I got back in the truck hooked up the trailer, headed to Michigan on Mother's Day weekend. Um, and we did not come home for six or seven months. Uh, we stayed on the road and finished the, the national, national series for that year. So. That's quite an experience. Yeah. <laughs> you were homeschooled? I did. I, I got homeschooled right after that. Um, when we came back from Georgia, uh, we made the decision. I was like, look, I can't, can't go to school in California and race nationals. It just, it just doesn't work. <laughs> so um, my mom thankfully enrolled me in homeschool. And when we went on the road, it was, I had my laptop, I had my books and, and yeah, we, we were all in. <laughs> so traveling on the road, this is an experience that, you know, I, I'm a seasoned veteran and I have never got that. I've never got to travel on the road for the whole year and, and be away from home six or eight months, you were, I was always flying back and forth or driving, Yeah, you know, so I never got that experience. That's pretty awesome. It was great. I mean, like I said, we met so many people and I, you know, I grew up in Southern California. I, you know, like I said, I was down in Baja a lot, but I really never traveled, you know, far outside of California before. So it was, in some cases, it was a culture shock for me, um, but it was a huge learning experience. Um, you know, just being able to see, you know, 
so many different places outside of this sheltered little life that I lived in Southern California. It was an experience of a lifetime. I mean, I, you know, I try to explain it to people and, you know, if, if you haven't done that or you don't know what it's like, it's, it's just hard to put it into words, but I think, you know, it made my dad and I bond so much too. I, you know, to this day I'm attached to his hip. Um, he actually just left my house right now. <laughs> he came over to see my daughter, but, um, just the experiences that we had together is something that, you know, only the two of us can, can really talk about. Cause you know, it was just the two of us that were there. We lived it and breathed it every single day. So, um, yeah, that's a time in my life that I have zero regrets from that. And, you know, that's, that's my favorite part of the story right there. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. You know, uh, I have, uh, three daughters and my oldest daughter, I got to coach, uh, yeah. through her younger years in softball when I wasn't going to the races and my other two daughters, I didn't get till they were adults. Um, yeah. So uh, I don't have the same kind of bonding experiences with them. Uh, we try, and that's part of what we're doing here with ATV Talk, is yeah. is a is a developmental process um, that my son Danny and my two daughters uh, Valeria and Paula are mm-hmm. kind of my sounding board, my backup, my uh, you know it's okay, don't worry about it. This is yeah. social media. <laughs> it's okay. We understand you don't understand it. We do, you know, don't sure. worry. You just do the yeah. things you do and we'll help you with the rest of it. And Absolutely. So I, I, I get the father daughter or the, or the father relationship with his children. Um, sure. I have six grandkids, uh, five oh. of them. Boys, so. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, and you know, even outside of my dad and I's relationship, you know, just the, the families that we've met at the racetrack, you know, how, invested these parents are in their kids future and racing and what they're doing. Um, it, it was really cool to be around, you know, I'm, we are very big on family, you know, I'm very close to my sister, very close to my mom. Um, you know, even my boyfriend's family, I'm just all about family and, um, being able to just surround yourself with, with people that have that same idea, um, and, and they value family the same way. Um, it made the experience that much better. That's the one thing I love about the ATV industry, your family away from family. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, family definitely grew when we hit the road. (laughs) Um, Those are relationships and and people that, you know, I'll I'll talk to, you know, till the day I die. You know, those are relationships that I I value. So that's awesome. So where did you end up at the in the 2006 season? What was your your final number? We, we won that season. <laughs> um, when we, thank you. Yeah. When we hit the road after the move to Arizona, um, we, our first race back was mother's day weekend at red bud in Michigan. And that was our first win of the season. Um, and that kicked off a five race win streak. Um, so that was, that was a really fun time. <laughs> so, uh, dad was very happy. Spirits were high. Uh, we were hitting Dairy Queen on the way home from every race just to celebrate the win. It was uh, it was a good little win streak. That's awesome. Yeah. How many years total did you race back east? Uh, back east, I raced uh, six years back east from 2006 to 2012. And did you back up that championship in seven? Uh, I did not. Uh, I moved up. So my championship in 2006 was in the amateur class. 
Um, And then in 2007, I moved up to uh, the women's pro class. And so different, uh, different dynamic there. (laughs) Uh, Much more aggressive. The girls are stronger, faster, smarter. Um, And I realized that I had a lot more learning to do. Um, It wasn't just about holding the throttle wide open anymore. You know, these, these girls are smart. They're, they're picking good lines. They're, they're passing, you know, constantly they're setting you up in every single corner. You know, it's, it's not about who can jump the furthest and who can enter the corner the fastest. It was, it was definitely a a mental game at that point. So, um, racing changed for me in that year. I found myself crashing a lot, you know, blowing berms, coming up short on jumps and, you know, hurting ribs and stuff like that. And, um, I had to slow down before I could go fast again. <laughs> so yeah. it was, a, it was a different world when I moved up for sure. It's a huge psychological game that every racer goes through when they yeah. make the, the, when they make that step up, you know, if you compare lap times the year before, well, I'm fast enough. I could have taught placed in the top three consistently, but that's not what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was Gosh, it was impressive, you know, to line up. First of all, it was intimidating as hell to line up with those girls, you know, that I had idolized, you know, since I was five, six, seven years old. Um, So to be lined up at the gate next to them, you know, and again, they've been in it, you know, since since I was born, you know, they've been in racing longer than I had been alive. And you know, they, they know, they knew about bike setup and how they wanted their suspension tuned. And I was like, wait, I don't know any of this, you know? And, um, it was a wake up call. Um, but yeah, it, it, it changed the game for me big time. Do you remember who you raced against? Angela Moore. <laughs> and, um, I remember the first time lining up with her, I was scared out of my mind. I mean, she's, I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss, but she was just a badass in in every way. <laughs> and um she still is. Yeah, she still is, absolutely. And um, yeah, I will never forget the first day lining up with her. I mean, I I was just shaking uncontrollably on my boots. <laughs> yeah, because we got we got her to come out to the West Coast. Yeah. And she did some works races and won uh, I'm not even sure how many works championships after she stopped racing at the nationals. Yeah, she, I mean, I really don't think there's anything, you know, on a quad that she can't do. I, you know, I I know she went out and raced a few weeks ago, you know, and I want to say she had been off the bike for 12 years or something like that. And I'm like, geez, I've been away from it for just a handful of years. I couldn't imagine throwing my leg over a bike and even being competitive anymore. You know, the, the moto muscles are gone. My hand eye coordination is gone. And for her to get out there and still be able to do it. I'm like, man, you're, you're still a badass. Like, it's I, just so impressive. <laughs> I remember her when she was one of the little kids yeah. <laughs> playing at the track. Yeah. It's, inc- it's crazy. I mean, you talk about racing being in your blood, like, you know, she's, she's a true ambassador of the sport for me. When I think about women's ATV racing, she's the first person that comes to mind. Wow. So did, did she, she was gone before you ended your time there? Yes. Because if you stayed, you stayed till 12 and she was already on the West coast by that time. Yeah, she was, uh, I, I got to race with her a few times in 2007. Um, and that, I want to say that was it 
for, for me with nationals, as far as racing with Angela. So I unfortunately, you know, never got the opportunity to actually race with her very long. Um, but the times I did, she, she smoked my ass. <laughs> you know, she beat a lot of the boys too. So she did. yeah, she, I watched it live at Glen Helen. I watched her just blow right past them going up Mount St. Helens. And I was one of those little kids in the stands just, you know, screaming. Cause here's this girl, you know, ponytail flying out the back of the helmet, just waxing the guys. And I'm like, that's it right there. That's amazing. <laughs> yes. Yes. I've been trying to get her on the show. She's got some, um, I think some hangups about being in front of the camera or behind the yeah. mic. Um, and that's okay. You know, yeah, not, yeah. not for everybody. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. So out of your 2007, we transfer into 2008. Mm-hmm. we've brushed ourselves off. We've gotten back up. I'm assuming you, you changed your training program and intensified that as well as, as well as learning more. Hey, I got to work on my shocks. I got to have this kind of power. I got to do this. Um, so how did the 2008 season roll in for you? 2008, 2009, 2010 were a blur for me. <laughs> um, I still remember it just being a huge learning curve. Um, gosh, I don't even remember where I stacked up. I know I didn't win. That's, that's for sure. So, um, but it was still a huge learning experience. You know, there, there were girls coming into the mix that had moved up from amateur that, you know, were, were super competitive. Um, I think as, you know, the bikes started evolving and getting better and, you know, suspension was better. There was more power, Um, you know, the tracks are changing, like the game was just constantly changing throughout those years. Um, And, you know, for me, it was, you know, I was 16, 17, 18 years old, you know, as young and dumb. So I'm still, you know, just, ah, if I hold the throttle wide open, what's going to happen? Well, you're going to crash, dummy, you know, and (laughs) it took me a long time to to really completely change my riding style. Um, And I think honestly, where that happened was, you know, being able to go overseas. Um, I got, like I said, I got to do some Enduros in France. I got to do some Enduros with some great teams up in Canada, down in South America. Um, And honestly, I I attribute a lot of that riding to what changed my game in motocross. Um, You're forced to pace yourself, relax, think a little bit more, and it does become more of a mental game. Um, and I, I definitely think it took me stepping into enduro for a little bit to, to really find my footing with motocross again. Um, I, I, you know, I was thrown for a loop getting in there with those, those girls that had been, you know, running at the front for so long. And, um, you know, there, there was nothing, like I said, there's nothing they couldn't do on a quad. They were just so badass in every way. <laughs> and, um, when I came after a few years of going overseas and doing those enduros, um, I, I was a changed racer at that point. So that's when I really started upping my game in motocross. So what year did you finally get that, that gold trophy? It was 2012. And that was my last year at nationals. Um, I had come off an injury, um, in 2011, August, 2011, I was racing Pont de Vaux in France, um, injured myself pretty bad there, came home and said, I'm about done, you know, with this, I don't want to keep hitting the ground anymore. I've hit the ground too many times and I'm ready to go home to my family. Um, you know, my family was in Arizona. I just, I I couldn't stand being away from them anymore. 
So it was kind of those, we're either winning a title or that's it. And um, I trained twice a day. I was in the gym constantly. I changed my diet, um, you know, learned a ton more about bike setup. I was always in the shop. I was always, you know, shoulder to shoulder with the mechanic trying to learn new things. And uh, we were just able to put together, finally put together a good season with not too many crashes and, and get, you know, a handful of wins under our belt. And, um, yeah, that was the year it all came together. Wow. That's, that's quite yeah. a story. Yeah, uh, it was fun. <laughs> how'd, you, how'd you like Pond I loved it. Um, I got to go there. Uh, I went to France twice, raced Pond once. Um, man, it, it's an experience. Like any, anybody that races, motocross, enduro, works, whatever it is, like you, you've got to go over to France. The, the fans are insane. You know, they had concerts after the race and just, it was just super, super impressive, you know, to see how they, they, you know, they put racing on a pedestal over there. And, um, it was just really cool to be a part of that and experience that over there. Yeah. I loved it. I've been over there quite a few times. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty fun. <laughs> my two favorite races that I'll ever talk about is rendezvous and Vegas Sereno. Vegas Sereno. Yeah. Gosh, my dad did that. And that was one of the ones that he didn't want me to do either. It's just too long. And, um, I guess him being away from me and not knowing what was going on out there was one of the ones that, that worried him. So, <laughs> but Pondevo, he didn't really have a choice with that one. Um, uh, I got the call. There was a team that asked to ask me to come over and, um, the first time I went to France to race, I was 18 years old and I was at home in Arizona visiting family, got the call and they said, can you get to France tomorrow? We got you a ticket. And again, 18 years old, called my mom and dad, they were at work and I was like, Hey, I got invited to go race in France. I, I think I really want to do it. They were like, man, it's pretty cool. You know, when, when do you go? It was like tomorrow at 10 AM. <laughs> you know, they, it's, I thought they were going to reach through the phone and slap me, but those are the kind of things that would pop up during my racing career that are like, you know, are you ever going to calm down? Are you ever going <laughs> to, you know, give us a break? And, um, the answer was no at the time. <laughs> it was kind of like a suck it up mom and dad. This is what we're doing. And, um, but they supported it, you know, even, even when times got tough for them and it was hard or, you know, I called them overseas and told them, you know, Hey, I went down, I'm not doing too well. I, I think I hurt myself. And, um, they, they handled it pretty well. So definitely couldn't have made it through the sport with, without their full support for sure. That's, that's, uh, kind of crazy. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, the story that you get from mom and dad, I'm sure would differ a little. Um, because yeah. <laughs> they had to live this, the, the fear. I mean, you're a mom now, you know. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, um, they make jokes all the time that, you know, my daughter is their revenge for me, you know, and the first time she straps on a helmet and throws her leg over a bike, you know, how am I going to feel? And my answer is always, well, she's not going to, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to have a race, but I can always already see her, you know, if she sees picture old pictures of me racing or, you know, she'll, she questions it. She asks about it. And I'm like, all right, you know, I can't hide, you know, what I did, you know, for, for most of my life. So I know there's going to be a point in time where she, you know, I probably do end up behind a gate with her <laughs> to be completely honest. I, I hope she doesn't just cause like I said, I, you know, I've hit that ground so many times. I, I don't want to see her, you know, get ragdolled like that. But at the same time, 
that sport gave me a ton of great opportunities. I, I will always love it. It always has a, a piece of my heart. So if she finds her way to it, I know it'll, it'll give her a great life. So <laughs> uh, have you, have you thought about getting in a cage? I have, I would love to. Um, <laughs> I think when I moved back to Arizona, everything just changed, you know, it was, you know, time to lock in and get a, a, a real job, so to speak. Um, and you know, it was a few years later, I, I had myself a family. So, but I would, you know, if the opportunity presented itself, hell yeah, I would hop into a cage with age comes a cage. Right. So <laughs> easy, easy, you know, I still yeah. have white, I have white hair and I still don't get in a cage. <laughs> I know, I know. You know, I, I made that joke when, um, my dad stopped riding and he got himself a sand car. So we, we go out to Glamis sand dunes a lot. Um, and he was like, I can't ride these quads anymore. It's just my joints can't take it. My bones can't take it. I got to get into a new car. So he got himself an 800 horsepower sand car, which nowadays I realize 800 horsepower isn't much, but at the time, you know, it was, it felt like a rocket ship to us. And that's where I really fell in love with, okay, I don't have to ride anymore, but if I can drive one of these things or drive a truck or a car or anything like that, that would be a dream come true. So, well, it's easier on the body. Oh, yeah. All of your, your mind skill set that you have from riding the ATV rolled yeah. over into, you know, you're driving a car instead of riding it. It's kind of the same. I mean, it's not the same, but it's, you, you got yeah. some experience, so it helps. Yeah. Yeah. The concept's the same, you know, it's, and, you know, I see a ton of motocross riders, you know, both from the ATV world and, and the two wheel side of things that are, um, you know, in trucks now or in side by sides and they're, they're doing amazing. You know, I look at Hunter Miller and Cody Miller, um, you know, even one of the latest ones, Carson Parrish, like, you know, he's out there in a pro life truck, just absolutely handling business. So I, I think it does, the skills definitely translate when you get into a cage for sure. Yeah, I, I, I believe it will, you know, Wes Miller, uh, just won his class in Vegas Torino on TV. Yep. Absolutely. He's pretty good on a quad. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's damn good. <laughs> Did you ever do any, um, motorcycle stuff? Uh, no, not really. I, um, when I first started riding, my, my cousins had dirt bikes and, um, I would hop on his every now and then, but I just really fell in love with four wheels. Um, that was just where it was at for me. And, um, once I started on ATVs, it was just kind of a, I never looked back. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. What, what kind of training methods did you use when you were racing the nationals? Yeah. So, um, motos were the main thing. You know, I had two, two 20 minute motos a day or however long we could last in the heat. <laughs> um, and then it was just a ton in the gym. I was a big runner. So, you know, I'd go out, I know a lot of guys do the, the cycling or road bikes, but running was, was the way I kept my cardio cardio up. Um, I stayed away from any heavy weights just cause I realized, you know, that, that causes crazy, crazy arm pump. So just a lot of, uh, like natural body weight training, you know, pushups, pull-ups, squats, lunges, things like that. Um, but a lot of back exercises like man, motocross racing just tears your lower back up. So, um, just anything I could do to keep that lower back strong was, <laughs> I was a fan of. So, yeah. Any, uh, stretching programs, things like that, that you could pass on some secrets for anybody else to use? It was weird. I know uh, a lot of racers dabble in it now, but 
before yoga got, got really big, um, I was always against it. I'm like, you know, how the hell is yoga supposed to help me go race a 400 pound machine? But gosh, it really did. You know, the, the stretching and, and the strength that you build, um, doing yoga was a huge help. So about once a week or so I would do about an hour to 90 minutes of yoga just to, just to help with, with everything. So that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's weird. You don't you don't think of you know different you know things like yoga and running and um, gosh, I would even do exercises. I'd, I'd turn the fuel off on my bike, hop on, and sit there and do the the throttle and the clutch for you know ten minutes just to make sure that my hands and my thumb could keep up with the moto. So, <laughs> so many weird exercises that you know the, the average person wouldn't think to do, but as a motocross racer, like you you have to do those weird, unique things to make sure that you know, every muscle is, is being worked out. So <laughs> I heard a story about Doug Gust where he would do his motos on his track. And yeah. then there was an uphill to his garage where he kept his quad and he would do his moto and then push his quad up the hill to the garage every time. Yep. That was a part of it too. Gosh, I didn't even think about that. We would uh, push the bikes around the track Gosh, I hated that. You know, I'd be yelling and cussing the entire time. You know, we're out there in the dead heat of summer. It's humid. It's hot. We just want to go inside. Just finished up a moto, and here we are pushing a bike like, you know, crazies around the track. But um, that's what it took, you know. And, and there are those racers that have had to push their bikes across the finish line. So I never wanted to get caught in a moment where if I needed to push my bike anywhere, I couldn't do it. So... You have to be prepared for everything. <laughs> exactly. And it's a strange thing to get prepared for, but everybody knows the the one time you're not ready, yep. it's going to happen. And you're going to need it. Absolutely. <laughs> if you could think back on the day or the, the race that, that sticks in your mind the most with a competitor that, you know, really you and that person – rubbed each other the wrong way what <laughs> what race would it be and, and maybe what competitor it is or or on the other hand what race was it and maybe that you guys were just really good friends as well yeah. um gosh I would say so there's two that that really come to mind um Susan Parker and I yeah we got along great um we were both very very aggressive riders. <laughs> um, so when we got together on the track, you know, we're just knocking the crap out of each other. And uh, Nerf bars got put to good use um, when her and I would come together. And I remember specifically, I think it was uh, Muddy Creek. Um, her and I had it out on the racetrack, you know, I mean, just every corner, you know, we're slamming into each other, and hitting each other. And, but it was, one of the most fun races I've ever had. And, you know, when we're coming off the track, we're high-fiving and thumbs up. And I'm like, man, that's what it's about. You know, rubbing is racing. And, um, sometimes you do just have to get really, really aggressive, <laughs> you know, in order to cross the finish line first and, um, to be able to experience that with somebody that had the same mindset, you know, like, Hey, move, or I'm going to move you. Um, that was fun. And I, I loved every bit of that race with her. Um, two, I know, um, Samantha Cheatham and I raced together in 2012, you know, the first, first half of 2012 and same thing, you know, she was aggressive and, um, 
you know, if she felt like you were in her way, she had no issue giving you a little love tap. And I love that, you know, I, I would absolutely do that to somebody. And, um, so I appreciated it, you know, when a racer would, would try to knock me out of their way. I'm like, yeah, if I'm holding you up, I'm not moving. So you're going to have to move me. <laughs> um, so those were the funnest races, you know, the, the most aggressive races for me is, is where I had the best time. That's awesome. Did, how did you end up in those two races? Uh, there were some, I, I want to say the race with Susan, I won, <laughs> I, I think. And, um, but the races with Samantha, uh, we went back and forth, you know, I mean, there were, she beat me, you know, several times and I beat her several times. So, um, I felt like we were very evenly matched and, um, gosh, the nerves that I had and, you know, the, the anxiety that I had in staging before lining up with her, I really never knew, you know, you, you're always confident and you're like, Hey, I got this, you know, I'm going to win. But deep down it was like, shoot, I, I really better be on my game. You know, if I blow one turn or, you know, case one jump, she's right there within striking distance throughout the entire moto. So, um, yes, yeah, Samantha and I went back and forth a handful of times. That's awesome. That's awesome. Did, when you stopped racing, um, were these ladies still racing or did they, or, or have they, or are they still racing or have their, did their careers end? Did you do uh, yeah, they, they stopped too. So, uh, Samantha, I think Samantha stopped the same year that I did in 2012. Um, and then Susan, she would show up to a couple races here and there. I know she's still very much involved in, sorry, you can hear my daughter in the background. Um, you can, uh, she, she, it's like I said, still very involved with, with different things. I don't know if she's been on a racetrack in quite some time. Um, but yeah, I think we, we all hung up the helmets around the same time. <laughs> wow. That's, yeah. that's kind of crazy that a, a group of fast people all stop at the same time. Usually it's a, a couple years apart from one another. Yeah. Yeah. It's different. I mean, I, I think with women it's, you know, especially with all of us being, you know, pretty close in age, um, we tend to stop a little bit earlier than the guys, you know, we want to have families and, um, you know, do, do different things. So I, you know, just kind of the trends that I've seen is, you know, the girls tend to hang up the boots a little bit, a little bit earlier. <laughs> um, and I think, I know, you know, Samantha had a kid, you know, as soon as she stopped racing, um, you know, I, I had a daughter a couple years later, so yeah, just life changes, you know, <laughs> you spoke of, of your, of your other half. And is he involved in racing or is it just something that he gets to listen to the stories? Um, he, he hears the stories. <laughs> so he actually never got to see me race. Um, you know, he hears about it. He's seen pictures, but um, he gets the, the different Adrian, the, you know, come home from work and make dinner and take care of the baby kind of Adrian. <laughs> and so he, thankfully he got the, the mellow calm side of me, but um, he, he was not in racing. He played college football and he's actually a boxer. So kind of in a, a different extreme sport, if you will. Um, but he was very successful with, with the sports that he was in. So even though it wasn't racing, we can both relate to each other. Um, we both had a passion, you know, huge passion for the sports that we were in. And, um, he actually still boxes. So he actually has a fight on October 25th. So, I find my adrenaline rush through him now. <laughs> oh. um, so yeah. So he's training with his dad and, you know, watching him put so much effort into the sport that he loves that 
that makes me just as happy as if I was to go back to racing. So you need to reach back out to us and let us know how that goes. <laughs> I will. I will. Hopefully I'm reaching out with good news. <laughs> well, I hope so too. Yeah, yeah. So every once in a while I get to meet somebody that not everybody knows something super special about them <laughs> or the trials and tribulations in their life where they've done something or been through something. And, and you have a story <laughs> that really in the little brief amount that I got to read about has touched my heart. And I would love it if you would elaborate on it for everyone. Um, if you're willing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and tell us, what happened in your words and how it all went down so that, so that I don't botch it. I want everybody to hear it from you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let me just preface it with this. I get very, uh, choked up when I get through this story, um, just because of the, the little boy that I'm about to speak about. So, uh, if you hear me get shaky, <laughs> my apologies. Well, my um, eyes are already watering and I haven't heard the whole story yet. So, um, so kind of a long story. I'll, I'll try to keep it short, but, um, I was, I'd, I'd moved back home to Arizona. So I was no longer racing nationals. Um, I was still racing in Arizona, still racing in California, kind of back to my home roots, if you will. Um, but still very much involved, um, you know, still race, you know, a couple weekends every month. Um, still very involved in training. Um, my nephew was racing motocross at the time. He, he was a little boy don't even remember how old he was, maybe eight or nine. Um, and my sister had heard about this little boy's story. His name was Logan Carson, um, had heard about his story through, um, some mutual friends at work. And it started with, Hey, there's a little boy who's sick. He needs help with medical expenses. Let's set up a fundraiser at some of the races that we were still going to. And, you know, we know that the racing community, they're very big at, you know, helping you know, people and, you know, setting up fundraisers and stuff like that. So my sister thought, Hey, what a great idea. Let's, let's set up some fundraisers at the races, you know, my races, my nephew's races. So, uh, she started that and, um, she had the opportunity to, to meet this little boy and his family and invited them out to one of my nephew's motocross races. So, um, the only thing I knew about his story was, you know, he was at seven years old, he was born healthy at seven years old. He got sick. Um, he got strep throat. Um, I kind of butcher his, what happened to him medically, his, his mom can explain it very well, but, um, he ended up going into turning into sepsis. He went into septic shock. Um, and it's kind of funny. They call it the day that he went into septic shock. They call it D day in their family. And it was July 14th, uh, 2012. That was the day I won my title at nationals at Unadilla, New York. So the, wanted to throw that out there just to show, you know, we were on very different paths at that time. Um, you know, fast forward a couple of years, I meet this little boy at the racetrack at my nephew's race. He's gone through hell and back, almost lost his life. You know, it's a miracle that he was even alive. Um, through going into septic shock, his body basically started sacrificing his limbs to save his organs. So he ended up getting his right leg amputated. Um, they took his right eye. Um, he lost several fingers. 
Um, he looks like a war veteran. I mean, honestly, he, um, you know, his skin where his skin started dying, it looks like he has burns all over his arms. Um, they had to rotate his scalp to be able to do like a, the proper skin grafting over his eye. So again, this kid's been through hell and back, um, ended up going into kidney failure. Um, so he got placed on dialysis, um, and was on the waiting list to receive a kidney. Um, so he had a donor going through the process with Mayo Clinic, um, and she was actually denied. She wasn't a match for him. So, um, fast forward, November 2nd, 2014, we're at my nephew's race. I see Logan and his family out there and I'm just in awe of this kid. Um, because here's a kid that, you know, has had nothing, but it seems like bad luck thrown his way. Um, has had to relearn how to walk, had to relearn how to read, you know, after losing his eye. And he walks up to my nephew's bike and says, Hey, I'm going to rub my good luck on your bike, you know, with his missing fingers and, you know, his burns on his skin. And I'm sitting there like, you're good luck. <laughs> you know, from what I hear, you've been unlucky if anything. And but his attitude and his spirit, I mean, he's just bopping around the racetrack, happy as can be, you know, his, his prosthetic legs got dust all over it and he couldn't be happier. And, you know, again, here he is telling my nephew that he's going to pass on some of his good luck. And, and then in that moment, I, it was a defining moment for me. I realized like, man, this kid's seven years old, you know, he's been through everything, you know, that you could possibly think of medically. And he's just happy as can be. He does it with a smile on his face. He doesn't ask for help from anybody. And, um, in that moment, (laughs) I realized that I had a different purpose in life than what I had been doing. And I was single at the time. I didn't have a kid. I had a family that had supported me through years of motocross racing. I knew they would get on board with it. I told his mom that I wanted to um, be his kidney donor, you know, if, if I was a match and, um, his family thought I was freaking crazy. (laughs) Um, his dad, you know, to their defense, they had been through handfuls of people that, you know, Oh, we'll do it. And we'll be there for you every step of the way. And, you know, when it came down to, Hey, let's get started testing, they backed out. No one wanted to do it. So his dad was like, for lack of a better world, this girl's full of shit. You know, she's just another one that, you know, is saying she wants to do it. She's not going to do it. Two days later, his mom reached out to me on Facebook and she asked me, she said, Hey, are you, were you serious about what you said at the racetrack the other day? And I said, hundred percent. Why? She said, we need a donor. (laughs) Our our son's dying. Um, do you want to start testing? And, um, the next day I was at a lab getting my blood drawn. Um, that was the first step in the process. You know, we were compatible as far as blood matching goes. And, um, we were wide open from there. Um, we started testing at Mayo clinic about a month later, later doing the full testing, um, doing, you know, kidney scans and EKGs and, um, iothalamate tests and psychological tests, which I can't believe I passed the psych eval, but (laughs) I did somehow, (laughs) Um, you know, they assigned a social worker to the case. It, I mean, it was just, it was a whirlwind, you know, it's crazy what they put people through to be able to become a donor. Um, and on February 11th, after, you know, a month or two of testing, Logan called me and this is the part where I get choked up. <laughs> um, Logan called me after one of his nephrology appointments and 
<laughs> I just, I'll never forget it. His voice was so cute. He was so little and he was like, Hey, you're a match. You're approved. And I was like, what? Put your mom on the phone. What are you talking about? And, um, I knew that I had been approved from the donor team at Mayo Clinic, but his doctor hadn't approved me yet at Phoenix Children's Hospital. And, um, to hear from him that I was approved, it was just, you know, I, I broke down, you know, I was driving home from work at the time and I just absolutely came apart. Um, and, um, they called the next day to schedule our transplant surgery, which was for March 31st and, uh, March 31st, 2015, we had our transplant. Everything went perfect. I was healthy. Logan was healthy and we haven't looked back since he's 15 years old. Now he's in high school. He lives about 15 minutes away from me. I talk to his family. Um, often they have gone on camping trips with us. Um, you know, Logan and my nephew created a, you know, a very close friendship. And, um, that's the part of the story that <laughs> it gets me every time. And it's because of seeing how strong Logan was. It made me realize that through all my years of racing, <laughs> everything that I had done, um, I wasn't strong at all. You know, this, this kid is what true strength is. And, um, it completely changed my life for the better. So, <laughs> um, that's, that's where I exited racing was at that point. Well, I know you said that you would keep it short and you did. <laughs> I tried. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, you did great. And, and there's so much more to this. Yeah. Um, you did answer a question that I was going to have is, is he, is he good? Is he healthy? Uh, yeah. He's active and he's active. He's smart. You know, he's, he's in, you know, honors classes at school. Um, you know, he started doing sports after that. He was able to have his first sleepover, you know, I mean, little things that, you know, we, you know, kids nowadays take for granted, you know, you don't realize what a blessing it is to be able to have a sleepover with your friend, but being on dialysis, you know, restricts you from that. So after the transplant, we found it very fitting that his first, you know, little sleepover with his friend was actually at my sister's house with my nephew. Um, and they stayed up all night and played video games and, um, yeah, they like had the time of their life. So it was, it was pretty amazing. So I have to ask this question. Yeah. How did his dad respond after the surgery to you? His dad has been amazing for me. Um, you know, he, he told me his story, you know, about how he thought I was full of it. And, and I understood, you know, I was like, if I had, you know, been conditioned to being let down and, you know, having people tell you they're going to do something and, you know, not have it come to fruition. Um, you know, that's what I would think of everybody, especially when they're in the midst of watching their son slowly die in front of them. And, um, his dad has, every time we talk, you know, he always says, thank you. And I'm like, Hey, there's a point where you've got to stop saying thank you. <laughs> you know, like your son, um, did more for me than, than they will ever realize more than what anyone will realize, you know? And, um, I, I thank their son just as much as they thank me <laughs> for, for my own reasons. And, and, and I get that there's, there's always a, a point where maybe the, the donating to the kidney, yes, it helped him, but it also changed your life and changed your view of the world. And, and, yeah. uh, being a father, 
um, and being blessed like I am in my life to have healthy children and healthy grandchildren. Uh, I am blessed in so many different ways. Um, I understand the fears. Uh, maybe I was a little lackluster in, in with my children in letting my son race as much as I did um, and letting my daughter throw a softball till her, her shoulder came apart. <laughs> um, and some people think, well, that's just being a bad parent. Well, uh, the kid wanted to throw the ball and I wasn't about to tell her no. Yeah. I didn't know that her shoulder could come apart like that. Right. It, it did. But what I'm trying to say is uh, without choking up myself, <laughs> um, it's super inspirational that a person or a, a, a member of our ATV family would reach out and do something for another human being that that's that huge. And, um, I'm in awe. I really am. I think, you know, when I, when I think of, um, I appreciate that by the way, when I think of why I did it, um, he was right in front of my face. You know, he, he was, he was right there. I got to, you know, see who I was helping. I got to see the impact that it would have. Um, when I think of anybody, every single person that I've met in the ATV racing community, I feel like if the same opportunity presented itself, they'd pull through and do it. <laughs> um, I just had the opportunity and, and that's how I look at it. Logan gave me the opportunity to do something much bigger um, than I could have ever dreamed of. And, you know, I just had to keep my eyes open for that opportunity, you know? And, um, but like I said, if, if, if a Logan, you know, walked up in front of anybody that I've met in the ATV racing community, I have no doubt in my mind that they would have done the same thing. And I, and I, I believe you, I believe in, I believe in our family. I believe in our group, whether you wear this flag or that t-shirt or run run that we're all one family because we're really not as, as big an industry as everybody thinks we are. Yeah. You know, it's very small. <laughs> it's a, yeah, I learned that. Um, it is, it is a very small industry. Um, but I think that's what makes us unique. You know, I mean, you have the dirt bike side of things where, you know, that's huge, you know, it's, it's much bigger than the ATV racing side. And I think that, um, that family aspect of it gets, gets lost a little bit on that side of it. Um, especially when you get to such a high level, whereas with the ATV racing community, you know, you turn pro, you still have that same family. You still have the same people supporting you. You know, you're still talking to the same people at the racetrack. And that's what I loved about four wheels versus going to the dirt bike side of things. Yeah. I mean, I've got to do a little bit of dirt bike stuff, but not a lot. And, and I still believe that when you go to an ATV race, you know, your worst enemy is still your friend and still part of your family. And, and if you're in dire straits, whether they like you or not, you know, whether, whether you hang out, they're over there offering their assistance or a part or, you know, you know, and then you may go have dinner with them and, and realize yeah. that you actually are friends and that everything's yeah. okay. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I think that's, yeah, that's what I love about it. You know, when you, line up at the gate. No, we're not friends. You know, it, like I said before, you know, racing with Samantha, racing with Susan, you know, if you, if you're in the way, Adrian, you're going to get blown right off a of berm and, and vice versa. Um, but you know, when the checkered flag waves and we're riding off the track, we're friends again, you know what I mean? And I, you know, that's, I, I loved, I love that part of it. <laughs> 
So it, those are some funny. of the best advice. When you talk to the older guys, it wasn't like that. Yeah. The older guys, they hated each other on the track. <laughs> they're still, they're in their 60s now, and they're like, <laughs> oh, we'll go in the same room with them, but only because I have to. The yeah. rivalry still exists. <laughs> exactly, you know, and oh, that, that crash was his fault, you know. And that, no, right. it isn't. I love I love listening to him because uh, I'm friends with a lot of the older guys because I was actually a young man learning my trade when they were yeah. doing what they were doing. So yeah, I think that that makes it fun too, though. You know, I'd, I'd love to get into a room with you know Gary Denton and you know uh, Doug Gus and Keith Little and you know some of those guys and just hear about like you know just some of the old races that stick out to them like that that banter back and forth between racers is, is so much fun. Well, keep stay tuned because it's all coming. <laughs> I love it. I look forward. That's, that's my goal. And that's the whole reason that ATV talk started is we all have a story. Yeah. And nobody knows them. Yeah, absolutely. Nobody knows my stories. Nobody knows your stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Gary's got stories that he's been telling for 20 years and, and, um, it's about time that his fans got to hear some of them. Yeah. The same with, you know, I'm still trying to reach out to certain people that I haven't been able to connect with, but I'm, I'm getting, you know, I talked to Jimmy White and Marty Hart and yeah. Mike Coe, uh, you know, Tracy Dixon was on the show, Paul Turner, the mechanic, he was on the show. His, his episode just dropped yesterday. And, you know, I reached across the pond to uh, uh, Paul Holmes. And, and yeah. so I'm reaching out to as many people as I can with as many feelers. I mean, I, Eli Madario uh, got us together so yeah, that I yeah. can get you on the show. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. I'm a huge fan and I want the stories to be told. Um, and before we get off here, you need to know, I didn't know your story. I knew a little bit about your racing when you were in Southern California because yeah. I was at Glen Helen. I had no idea that what we just spoke of was, um, I, I still didn't even know how to, how to react. I mean, I'm in awe. I really am. Uh, <laughs> that, that's a huge thing for a human being to do is to take a part of their body and allow another human being to live, not only as a, as a woman having a child, but uh, as taking a, a kidney from yourself that, that one day you may need yeah. for that young boy, that young man and allowing him to have a life that he wouldn't have without you. Yeah. Yeah. That, it's, um, I think the way I look at it is, um, I have a lot of amazing people in my life that would have done the same and, and will do the same for me, you know, if I'm, if I'm ever in that position, you know, so, um, paying it forward. <laughs> exactly. And that's, and that's a very, it, it's a very admirable thing. And, and, uh, wow. I, I, I still don't know what to say. I'm, I'm, I'm a little speechless and you know, if you, if you know me or know of me, you know, I'm never short of words. So <laughs> I'm never you. afraid to just roll it out there, but, uh, <laughs> you, you got me here. You, you got me. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm, Yeah. I want to ask you another question, if you if you don't mind taking a little bit more time with me. Sure, uh, sure. How is your sister older or younger, and how did she play with the uh, racing, and and how did that all work out for you? 
<laughs> oh, the fun memories. Yeah. So she's, she's, uh, just almost six years older than me. Um, wow. even though she looks younger than me now, damn it. But, uh, <laughs> um, she was actually a basketball player. Uh, she got a, a full ride scholarship to a D one school playing basketball. Um, that was her thing. She was amazing at it. Um, when I first started racing, I sucked at it. You know, I was, I was afraid to jump. I was afraid to get all four tires off the ground. And, um, you know, I was in first gear going into every corner. Um, she was at the time the more fearless sister. So she rode quads, but you know, had no desire to race. My dad got the wild idea of, you know, if you're going to do this, you're going to figure out how to go faster. I'm going to put your sister out there with you. So she did. And that's where the competitive juices started flowing. I was like, hell no, this is my sport. This is my thing with dad. You had basketball. It's my turn. Get off my racetrack. <laughs> All right. and, um, I honestly credit her for, I want to say, you know, getting out of my own head, getting out of my way. And, and that's where I started developing some speed. You know, if she can get out here the first time and beat me, you know, I can go a little bit faster. I can jump a little bit higher. And, um, yeah, it only took her maybe three or four races before I was passing her up <laughs> and she's like, all right, my job here is done. And she, she excused herself from racing. <laughs> so that was back in the, uh, the, uh, EX 400 days. So that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and the young man that you, uh, are friends with today, Logan. Yes. Logan Carson. My, my grandson is named Logan. Oh, very cool. <laughs> and he was, was born on April 23rd. Oh my gosh. Congratulations. I had <laughs> my, my sixth grandchild was born on the 25th of, uh, June. Wow. Wow. That's fun. Yeah. I, um, my parents are having a lot of fun with grandkids now. And, um, I think seeing their kids as, as parents is what's most, most exciting for them. But yeah, just, they are having a blast with it. It almost makes me excited to be like, dang, I can't wait to be a grandparent one day. Like you get all the fun, you know, you get to sugar them up, give them toys, buy them presents and do all the fun stuff and then send them home. <laughs> exactly. That's the fun yeah. part. What yeah, I, my child. I, I don't right. know. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're having a blast with that. So, but congratulations, that's that's amazing. Well, young lady, I am uh, honored that you took the time to speak with me, Thank and you. I am honored in your presence as far as a human being. Uh, Thank you. Allowing yourself to go to the next level and do something bigger than yourself and bigger than your sport and and allowing uh yourself to uh be forever remembered and uh i think that uh your life is on an amazing path and uh i hope that logan realizes how special you are and that uh, maybe next time when you and i sit down to talk you could have logan with you absolutely yeah he would uh he would love that for sure and i i really appreciate it and um Definitely thankful for the ability to to share my story and share Logan's story. <laughs> well, I'm honored. I'm honored 100% because, like, there again, I'm a huge fan, and I, and I love your story, and I love what you've done, and, and yeah. congratulations on your epic career, you know, uh, pro championships, a pro championship, and, and yeah. uh, <laughs> they're very hard to come by. Yes. Uh, one is just as good as eight, you know, so <laughs> never look, never look at the person that has maybe one or two more than you and think anything other than the fact, Hey, I'm a champion too. 
I retired. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You retired number one. Yeah, absolutely. That was a, that was all I needed. <laughs> one and done. <laughs> no matter what you do, when you pick up the jersey, it's got a one on it. Absolutely. Yep. And it's uh it's hanging in my house. <laughs> yep. I, I want to thank you again for your time and please reach out anytime and uh we'll get you back on for another episode. Uh I want to know how that your your better half or other half's yep. uh, boxing match goes. Because I'm a I'm a sports fan myself. I racing, boxing, UFC, all of it. Very cool. Make sure you reach back out to us and uh if there's any changes or anything that, like that or you, any more news, and yeah. we'd love to have you back on. I will. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. All right. I will yeah. be in touch with you when your episode's going to air. Yeah. Um, so if until then, keep listening, and uh, thank you very much. Have a great well, night. Thank you. Have a good night. All right. We'll okay. talk to you later. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industry building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.